Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you um, for blessing us in many ways, and we thank you, God, that you are calling us and equipping us to also bless the world. We are blessed to be a blessing. We pray, Lord, that we would continue uh, to learn and discern what that looks like in our own lives as a church, as individuals, as families, in every way. Um, may we honor you and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we continue our Joining Jesus material. We're wrapping up. We're getting close to the end. Just a few more weeks of this series, and believe it or not, Advent starts in a few weeks. And uh, this week we're talking about what is our story going to be. Last week we, on the Reformation Sunday, we talked about how God worked big stories, big shifts, big things in the history of our church. And now we're narrowing it down a little bit more. How are we going to live according to what we've been learning and reading? How are we going to live in response to what God has been doing in our lives and wants to continue to do? How are we going to join Jesus on his mission? Uh, before we get into that, next week I want to point out that we're going to have a guest uh, preacher here. Uh, his name is Bryce Formwalt. Bryce is the director of the Texas district of LCMC churches down in Texas. That district actually uh, has enough churches to support a full-time position to kind of help oversee that area and coordinate church planting and new missions and things. So Bryce is from Iowa. He grew up at the same, con same congregation as me. Um, about three miles up the road out in the country, uh, and it was kind of cool to reconnect with him when I became uh, engaged with the LCMC as well. So he's going to join us. He's actually read the book and preached on it before, so it's good timing for him up in Iowa attending some events. He'll be joining us next Sunday, so please be here and listen to his perspective on what it looks like to join Jesus on his mission as well. So last week we talked about the Reformation, many people who were faithful to God's word, and stood on that word and stood on God's promises, even in the face of persecution, even when it wasn't popular. And how that shapes who we are today, and the fact that we are actually here today in a church that is not Catholic. We are in a Protestant church. Um, we are still part of those ripples across time that we've talked about. And there have been big ripples that contribute to our stories and little ripples that contribute. But nonetheless, God has worked in uncountable ways to bring this group of people here at this time this morning in Story City, Iowa. So our takeaways from last week were this. The first was we have God's word. At the time of the Reformation, people did not have access to God's word in their own language. They didn't have access to the Bible. We have it in many different translations and languages, digital, hard copies. So I encourage you to read it. Don't take it for granted that we have access to that. Actually use it. Use the tool that God has given you to understand his heart, and his mission on this planet. Um, and if you are a follower of Jesus, the second takeaway, um, you are part of the priesthood of all believers. Um, it's not just up to one or two people to do the work of God. Uh, some people have vocational callings in ministry, but even if your vocational calling isn't that, uh, your calling as a Christian is still to be part of the priesthood of all believers and to be part of the work. You are qualified to be called and equipped to share in the work of Jesus and his church. And the third was that God is going to keep moving. Uh, until we're all perfect, I'm close, I mean, no, just totally kidding, no. I am the least perfect among us here. Uh, until we're all perfect, until we've realized Jesus coming back to make a new heaven and new earth, uh, the church needs to be called back, and there needs to be movers and reformers and, and people who are going to 
engage like the prophets of old did, and there's many of those voices today in our church and in our culture calling us back to the truth of the scriptures when we get sleepy or distracted or apathetic about our role as the body of Christ. So those are kind of our big takeaways. So taking all of what we've talked about with joining Jesus and the, and the part of uh, his mission and what it is and how uh, we're reflecting on God's faithfulness in big ways and in little ways, today we get to the question, what's our story going to be? What are we going to do with this information? What are we going to do with this call that Jesus clearly gives us in our lives? As we join Jesus and relate to people, what are we going to do? What's our story going to be? And then what is your story going to be? Because this is worked out on a church level. It's also worked out for you and your family and your household and your friends. What's your story going to be as you join Jesus and relate to people? Are we as a church and as individuals going to allow Jesus to work in us and through us? It sounds like a big question, but it's a daily question for us. It's a daily question that we answer every morning, or maybe we don't even ask ourselves, but could each morning. Are we going to cause splashes and ripples that will encourage and empower the next generation of the church to thrive? And are we going to get going on this Jesus legacy that we get to be a part of, are we going to get going on it and contribute to something eternal and beautiful? That's kind of what we're talking about today. So we've hit on this first thing a few times. I, I've used the phrase living with open eyes, right? And we talk about it a few different times in this series because it comes up in the materials, in the book often. Um, what does it mean to live with open eyes? Now, if you close your eyes, you don't see much, right? If you open them, you see a lot. Many times our eyes are closed to God's work in us and around us, but we want to live with open eyes to God's work to see how he is moving. Or another question that we could ask, who are the people that God wants us to get to know and love? Who are those people? And if we're going to answer that question, we want open eyes to see the people that God wants us to get to know and love. And then along with that needs to come a willingness, right, to, to do something when God shows those people to us, to step out in faith. And maybe even step out in faith and be around people who aren't Christians. Um, this, is, this is a big thing that I remember from my childhood. I wasn't allowed to be hanging out with kids who weren't Christians. For better or worse, I think my parents had some wisdom in that, right? But if I didn't, I didn't go to sleepovers or birthday parties or things like that, if my parents didn't know that that family was attending church. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a good rule or policy. You need to know your kids and your family and what they are comfortable with and set good boundaries. I get that. But one of the biggest detriments to the witness of Christians is our ability to separate ourselves from people who aren't. And I think we see that across history. It's easy for us to, to congregate together to be around those who are like us, those who already know Jesus Christ, and in doing so, we often miss the opportunity to get to know the people that Jesus also loves who don't yet know him in that way. Now, we need a certain maturity for that, right, to be around certain environments. We don't want to be sucked in to things that are sinful or opposed to God, um, we don't want to be sucked into temptation, but really we are called to go to those who do not yet know Jesus. 
So open eyes, yes, and a willingness to act and to get to know other people. Even if they don't live like us, think like us, talk like us. Um, that is a big part of the ministry of the church. Sometimes this takes a willingness to be in a place or in an environment that we're just not used to being in. And that's okay, because we join Jesus where he's already working. So who are those people that Jesus loves? Who are those people that Jesus invites us to get to know? Now, obviously, Jesus loves everybody in this room. I hope you know that. Hopefully, obviously, you know Jesus loves everybody outside of this room, whether they're followers of Jesus yet or not. So who are the people that specifically that Jesus is inviting us to get to know? And then once we meet them, what is Jesus up to in their lives and in our conversations with them? Where do they need prayer? Maybe privately at first. Maybe they're never going to know that you're praying for them. But maybe sometimes you will have that opportunity to pray with them for them at a later time. And where do these people that Jesus loves have struggles that we can speak into, that we can bring hope into? Maybe out of our own personal experience with the same struggles. Maybe out of our own stories and our own brokenness that God has shown us grace in. How can we join Jesus in bringing a hope to the people that Jesus loves? So let us be a people that live with open eyes and a willingness to engage with others who need to hear the name of Jesus, who need to hear the good news that Jesus Christ has died for their sins and invites them into true life everlasting. Our gospel text this morning paints a little bit of a picture of this concept. Um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. So I'm going to read that again for you. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, do you all know if you're a Mary or a Martha? Are you the person that likes to work in the background and do all the preparations and be busy? Are you the person that likes to sit and be with people, converse with people? And, and, and it's, it's not a spectrum. It's not that simple. I get it. There's certain situations where we're more comfortable and somewhere we're not. Um, but Mary and Martha set this contrasting example for us today. Uh, Jesus was their guest. Martha opened up her home to have Jesus come in. And... One of these sisters took the angle of doing the work that needed to be done, or that she thought needed to be done, and the other took the angle of simply being in the presence of the Lord. There's a time for doing, yes, we know that, but when Jesus invites us to move into his work and in his presence, there are some priorities that maybe need to be in place. Are we called to separate ourselves to do the work or might we often be called to simply be with the people that Jesus loves? Like in this case with Jesus, sometimes we are to be with people so that we may be challenged and grow, like Mary was in the presence of the Lord. And other times we may be called to be with people so that we might be the ones joining Jesus to challenge other people and to help them grow, right? 
But the priority here wasn't the meal that Martha was preparing, was it? That wasn't the priority. It wasn't the food that Jesus came to Mary and Martha's house for. What was it? It was them. It was the people. It was the relationships. And may we have the same priority when we talk about getting to know people who Jesus loves and building relationships. Yeah, have food. A lot of Jesus' ministry is around food and festivals and parties, right? You read that in the Gospels. Food's a great tool. It's a great thing that gathers us around because we all need to eat. But we're not there for the food, are we? We're there because Jesus loves the people that we get to eat with, whether that's in your house, at your dinner table, or any other place. So one of the ways that we look at this and one of the concepts that um, author Greg Finke uses in the book, he talks about a neighboring environment, a neighboring environment. Hospitality would be another good word for that. Our Ephesians text gives us a good picture of what it mo- might look like if we, if we are setting a good neighboring environment, if our presence and our personality is a good neighboring environment. Be completely humble and gentle, it says. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That first verse, be humble, be patient, be gentle, bear with one another. I think that's what being a good neighbor looks like. It's what a neighboring environment is going to feel like to somebody who needs to experience that. Uh, It might even be Something we would, you know, you've heard the phrase, being a safe person. Well, in the kingdom of God, a safe person, um, that's something that Mike Bradley, uh, if you remember a couple years back, he came and he talked about being a safe place for the dangerous kind, a safe people for those who need to know the love of Jesus Christ. He has this concept about being a safe place, and that place and, and this joining Jesus work that we're talking about will need us to be humble, it will need us to be gentle, It will need us to be patient if we're going to model what Jesus has modeled for us in the New Testament. So we're encouraged as we join Jesus on our mission to be good neighbors and to set a neighboring environment so that people may get to know Jesus through our actions. We can build trust. We can build a relationship. So this might be a newer concept. um, and, And here's one of the pitfalls here, right? So if I'm going to hang out with people and build relationships, um, my fear is that I'm going to be sitting there analyzing everything that I'm thinking or saying or doing, because I'm pretty introspective. There's a lot of wheels spinning up in this brain right here. Um, I don't want you to worry about that. I want you to be simply willing and open to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and to move where the Spirit goes. My hope is that you can take pieces of this into your workplace, into your jobs, into your actual physical neighborhoods, into the places where your path is already crossing with many other people's paths, and that you can live with open eyes and a willingness to join in Jesus' work. So this idea of being a neighboring environment, how do, we, how do we first experience what it is that we hope others will experience? How do we first experience that? Um, it, it's so important if we're talking about this to also talk about first experiencing with God what we hope to engage with for others. Does that make sense? We want to first experience with God what we hope to engage with with other people. So Psalm 84 brings us to that this morning. And that's why this psalm was picked this morning. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. 
My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. What can we gather from this? God has set for us an incredible, perfect neighboring environment for us to experience in his presence. And hopefully, hopefully as we gather together as God's people. God has created a way for us to experience the same patience, the same humility, the same gentleness that Jesus invites us to show to others. And that is through dwelling with the Lord. Dwelling with the Lord. And this isn't like an over-spiritualized concept. It's really not. As a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is persistently and consistently with you. You have an opportunity to dwell with the Lord in any moment, at any time, on any day. And seeing as God always is mindful of you and your presence, one of the things we learn to do as we join Jesus on his mission is becoming more mindful of his presence in our lives. The Holy Spirit is persistently and constantly with you, dwelling with you, and thus we always have an invitation to dwell with him in return, to be mindful of him. Through God's word, through music is a big one for me, through nature and the beauty of the creation that God has placed us in, through prayer, prayer alone, prayer with other people, these things begin to develop in us a mindfulness of God's presence and through relationships with others, and as we gather together and worship as God's people. So dwelling with the Lord leads to deeper relationship with the Lord, right? Just like dwelling with any human in this room will lead to you getting to know them better, for better or worse, right? A deeper understanding of what it is we hope to join Jesus in comes along with that deeper relationship. And as we live out this Psalm 84 dwelling in the presence in the house of the Lord, and as we conceptualize what it looks like for us to join Jesus on his mission, we're going to grow in the depths of our relationship with our Lord and Savior. Those promises that sometimes we feel are a little shaky are going to seem less shaky. The foundation that we have in this world, it's going to be replaced with the one that only God can give, one that is timeless and eternal. And as we live out this Psalm 84, those who dwell with us on this journey, those people that Jesus loves, they're going to be getting to know the one that we dwell with through us. Dwelling with others also leads to deep relationships with others, right? Jesus works in our lives. His work in our lives is about him having a deeper relationship with us. And the mission that he invites us on is about having deep relationships with others so that the Christ behind the love may be known and received. The end goal isn't that they know us, it's that they know Jesus through us. So I encourage you to dwell with the Lord so that when you dwell with others, people may come to better understand and see God's work in your life and eventually know the name of Jesus Christ for themselves. Dwell with the Lord, spend time with God, 
start working on this idea of being mindful of his presence. And it is something we need to pay attention to and put some effort into, I think. As we do that, our eyes will be open to those around us who Jesus is inviting us to get to know. And through dwelling with the Lord, we'll also find ourselves becoming more willing to engage in the mission that Jesus is inviting us to join him with. And then as you step out and as you get to know those people whom Jesus loves, be humble. Again, that takes practice. Be patient, that takes a lot of practice. Be gentle. Be willing to prioritize the relationship over the work and the stuff. And through it all, remember this. And this is really important. Because a, a lot of this sounds like we're doing it all. We're not. We're, we're not doing it on our own. We're not doing Jesus' work for him. Jesus is the worker. We are the joiner. We get to join the, the, the master, the savior, the Lord, the one who does it perfectly. We get to join in that work. It's not on our shoulders. It's a we get to, not a we have to. And the, the, the results of those relationships are 100% on Jesus' shoulders, not on ours. So I encourage you to live abundantly, to love abundantly, so that Jesus may be known and loved by more and more people in our lives and in this world. That's what it looks like to join Jesus on his mission. So I ask you one more time, what is your story going to be? What's our story going to be? Let's pray. Father, you, um, you have penned an incredible story. And by your grace, you've invited us to be a part of it. And Lord, this true story that we um, see revealed to us through the pages of the scriptures, that we see revealed very specifically in our own lives, in our own faith, in our own experience of your grace and forgiveness, Lord, I pray that we would all be able to see how you have been working in our lives. That we would be able to rejoice that you are a God so big yet so personal for us. That you really do care about each and every one of our struggles and joys. Lord, you've been very patient with us. You have lavished upon us your grace. And we pray, Lord, that that would um, change how we act. It would change how we represent your truth to this world. Lord, may we not be um, joining your Jesus your mission in arrogance. May we not be joining it with pride. May we not be joining it with abrasiveness. But Lord, may we be gentle, humble, and patient. And Lord, continue to open our eyes to those whom you love around us, that you want us to get to know, and those that you want to get to know, and those whom you want to know you. So Lord, whatever that looks like specifically in our lives, we, we just ask that you would guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Take us steps in the right direction, Lord. Encourage us. Make that call real and clear to us and continue to equip us to join you on your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.